Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're always happy to have you join us and we hope you will feel free to share these reflections on God's Word with those that you know and love. Let's pause for a moment for a time of prayer. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our lesson today comes from the 23rd chapter of Matthew, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and best seats in the synagogues and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. And all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Red Klotz died a few years ago. <clears throat> he was 93 years old when he died. Red Klotz may not be a name you've ever heard, and he was glad for that to be the case, for Red Klotz was the founder and player and manager and coach of a basketball team called the Washington Generals. The Washington Generals are the team that Red Klotz organized to be the perennial opposition to the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, the comedic basketball phenoms. Every time the Harlem Globetrotters play, and they are still playing, they play the Washington Generals. And every time the Globetrotters beat the Gen and every time the Globetrotters beat the Generals. Now, the Washington Generals have always been a very good team. It's a team always filled with former college players and NBA players. Red Klotz himself played on the championship Baltimore Bullets back in the 1940s. But the whole purpose of Red Klotz and the Washington Generals was to make the Harlem Globetrotters look good. Metal Lark Lemon, Curly Neal, Goose Tatum, and even Wilt Chamberlain for a time, and all the rest would perform their antics on the court, and the generals were the straight guys, the guys that helped them help make the Globetrotters funny. For the Globetrotters to look so good, the generals had to look a little foolish. Said Klotz, Laurel had Hardy, Lewis had Martin, Costello had Abbott, and the Trotters have us. The purpose of it all was for the generals always to come in second to the Globetrotters first, except one night back in 1971 when Red Klotz, by accident, made a shot he wasn't supposed to make and the generals won. Never has a man felt so bad about winning. The Globetrotters didn't mind. Years later, the incomparable Metal Arc Lemon said this about Red Klotz, if anybody calls Red a loser, they're missing the whole point. When a Globetrotter game is over, folks never remember the final score. People remember the laughter. If anybody calls Red a loser, they're missing the whole point. Or to put it in another way, 
is one whose life is about letting others win, could you ever call him or her a loser? Which I suppose is one of the questions that comes up during our journey of Advent. What are, <clears throat> what are the goals we're trying to achieve in our lives? What does it mean to live the Christian life? Who's the winner? Who's the loser? I did a little teaching two weeks ago on the movie It's a Wonderful Life, that great Christmas movie about the life of George Bailey and and George has this idea of what it means to be a winner. He wants to go to college and then learn to be an architect. And then he wants to travel the world and plan modern cities and design and build the tallest of skyscrapers. He wants to be a winner. But his plan for life ends up being thwarted at just about every turn. Instead of going to college, he stays at home to run the business and lets his younger brother go ahead of him. When the crash of 1929 hits, he sacrifices his life savings to keep the building alone in business and save the investment of all his clients. And even though he'd give anything to leave the tiny little town of Bedford Falls, especially watching his friends go off and make millions, he stays behind and serves his humble clientele and makes sure that they have good, affordable housing. But when crisis hits and Uncle Billy loses the big deposit and the whole business might go under, George gets to the end of his rope and thinks he has no choice but to jump from a bridge. But then Clarence the Angel shows him what life would be like if George had never lived. Meanwhile, all the town is made aware of George's crisis and they all chip in to make up for the shortfall. And it all comes to a crescendo when George realizes how important his life has been to the life of others and how loved he is by his townsfolk. That he realizes just at the moment when he thinks he's the greatest of losers, he realizes quite the opposite, that he is the greatest of human beings. He's a winner, not a loser. Clarence leaves him a message, no one is a failure who has friends. You don't have to step back too far while looking at the story of Christmas to realize from a different perspective, in the story of Christmas, it can seem that it's about losers. Two young kids, pregnant, without a home, no room in the inn, forced to go out back and give birth in a barn and lay their firstborn in a makeshift cradle, otherwise a feeding trough for sheep and cattle. If you saw a family like that today, by all sorts of measures, you'd consider them on the losing side of the ledger. Until we read later in the story when Jesus is teaching and we hear him say, Oh, the greatest among you will be your servant, and all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. It's the great irony of the Christmas story and the great irony of the Jesus story that from the humblest of all settings and the humblest of all persons comes the greatest story ever told. And it's the greatest story ever told simply because of the philosophy of this rabbi from Nazareth that the greatest of all are the servants of all and the humblest of all will be the exalted of all. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 2. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, Make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. And let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself and taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, 
God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Paul, in another letter, says that the wisdom of God seems like foolishness to us. We might have thought, when, we, when remembering the events in Bethlehem two millennia ago, two foolish kids making a mess of things, but if we had thought that, the joke would have been on us. How might you be a loser today? Letting someone else win instead of you. Things to think of in this Advent season. Let us pray. Oh God, we're so concerned as to where we might finish, whether we'll be ahead or behind. And we thank you, O oh God, that your son Jesus calls us just to think so differently, that we are called to come behind, to get behind those that need to be ahead, those that need a little, a little pull-up, a little chance to learn that the world is there for them. So we thank you, O oh God, that you call us to be your disciples, to go out and to serve your people that we may truly show what the spirit of the one was who was born in Bethlehem. And we pray this in his name. Amen.